Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of The Break. I'm Father Roderick and I'm recording this on a very warm evening. And things are going to get worse in the days to come. They predicted 37 degrees on Tuesday. And <laughs> for many reasons, I am not happy with that news. This episode, as well as everything else I do, is made possible thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. And I have a new reason for you to become a patron, or if you are a 250 patron, maybe to upscale to the $5 a month level, if that, of course, is within your means. Because I just launched the first episode of the brand new flagship show that I produce for the $5 and up patrons called Story Secrets. And in a first episode, I do... Um, a full introduction to Neon Genesis Evangelion, the anime series that I've been raving about so much and that uh, I've been uh, dissecting on TikTok uh, and which has uh, literally blown up my account, uh, more than 2 million views on uh, some of those videos. And in uh, an effort to maybe make this a little bit more accessible, even for people that have never watched the series, but maybe are intrigued by my comments and why I'm so enthusiastic about it, I did uh, basically a two-part show. The first part is spoiler-free. And it gives a lot of reasons why I think this is a phenomenal show. And then in the second part, after a spoiler warning, I give some more in-depth uh, analysis and, and comments. This is probably going to be the first of a number of episodes that I want to dedicate to uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, but it's not the only thing I'm going to do on Story Secrets. I'm uh, hoping to um, do Star Wars-related episodes, uh, maybe even book reviews. But I really want every episode to have one theme and to have that duality in its presentation so the first part is always going to be for people that are not yet familiar with the story movie television show or book and the second part is for those that have already um well consumed the story in <laughs> whatever form it is and want to hear a more in-depth thoughts about this i'm also uh, hoping to do Rewatch uh, episodes where, for instance, I would rewatch, uh, I don't know, Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, and and do a, a very detailed, of course, spoiler laden analysis, uh, because I know that's what some of you have asked me to do and would be very interested in. So those podcasts are showing up automatically in your podcast feed if you are in the five dollar uh, tier or the subsequent tiers. Um, and of course, if you are unable to, uh, to to support via Patreon or you can only, you know, keep it at a very low amount because of reasons. There are so many reasons um, that, that people have to, you know, watch their finances and, and are unable to, uh, to just throw, <laughs> throw around money. <laughs> uh, I, I'm still incredibly appreciative of your support, your feedback, just a privilege of your time, the fact that you're taking the time uh, every week to listen to these shows, uh, th that means the world to me. So thank you so much. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. 
Now, as you know, I am going to walk uh, during a four-day event that starts this upcoming Tuesday. Uh, it's the Walk of the World. That's the title in English. The Nijmeegse Vier Dagen, because it's four days and it's taking place in and around the city of Nijmegen, which is a bit east from where I live. And uh, this is one of the most daunting walking events in, well, maybe in Europe. Um, you are supposed to walk 50 kilometers every day for four days. Um, if you're over 50, the age of 50, you can walk 40 if you want. Uh, women are also allowed to walk 40. Um, and I think at a, at a certain age, you can even walk 30. But I'm not sure. Now, I've already participated twice, once to film a documentary, and the second time I walked it myself, but I only did the 40-kilometer version. And so this year I wanted to kind of up the ante and challenge myself a little bit. So um, <laughs> I signed up for the 50-kilometer version, not really anticipating how warm it would become this next week. We are getting hot weather that comes from Portugal. And uh, one of our community members is a seminarian in, in Portugal, and he was telling us how hot it was over there, and it's almost impossible to do anything indoors, let alone, you know, when you're outside. And that exact weather is heading our way, and Tuesday will be the worst. Tuesday is the day, the first day of the walk. And so I, since I'm with the 50-kilometer group, I'm supposed to start at 4 o'clock in the morning, Um, but that will probably not give me enough time to be uh, at the finish line before the, the, the maximum temperature. And if the temperature rises above your body's temperature, then it can, can get very dangerous and people can, get, can actually die. Uh, you can get all sorts of heart problems. So uh, the organization is certainly going to, um, to protect us and, and uh, they're going to make like a final day decision they have of course scenarios for all these situations so we'll, we'll see what happens i don't think it's going to be completely canceled because the, the the next couple of days wednesday thursday friday are you know more feasible temperature wise it will be still warm but not extremely warm so maybe they'll shorten the first day we'll, we'll see i'll let you know i um i'm planning on sharing some of my photos maybe videos also on social media, so if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter uh, or Insta, uh, you may be able to catch some glimpses of my ordeal. And and maybe, maybe if it's not too bad in terms of uh, <laughs> how I feel, I can also record a, a few episodes of, of The Walk. After all, this is The Walk of the Year. So, um, but that is probably just going to be uh, a pre-recording for episodes that will be posted when I'm on vacation. Uh, because in August, I'm going to Italy again. It's going to be so warm over there. Um, so, it's not, it's not too bad to have a few episodes in, in, uh, as a reserve so that you can still get your regular dose of Father Roderick, even though I'm uh, vacationing. I do not like movies. They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. It's finally there. 
finally, I've been looking forward to seeing it uh, for a long, long time. And my anticipation got even bigger. Uh, when, when was it? Two weeks ago? When the first like teaser of the teaser was published by Amazon. I'm talking, of course, about the trailer for the Rings of Power, the this new mega-budget Tolkien-based narrative, uh, multiple seasons, uh, one of the most, I think the most expensive television series ever made. And they have finally published two days ago the Rings of Power main teaser. And I have kept myself from watching it until I would record this podcast. So I'm going to watch it right now for the first time. And, of course, you'll only be able to hear the audio, but you can watch it for yourself. Just uh, look on YouTube for Rings of Power main teaser. So um, I'm just going to watch it, and then I'll get back to you with my first reaction. Here we go. There was a time when the world was so young. Oh, Galadriel. There had not yet been a sunrise. Oh, wow. But even then, there was light. Two trees. Oh. Oh call to me, call to me, lands far away. Elves have forests to protect. Wow. Dwarfs their mines. <gasps> Mend their fields of grain. But we Harfoots have each other. For I must now We're safe. Beautiful. You have fought long enough, Galadriel. Put up your sword. The enemy is still out there. The question now is where? It is over. You have not seen what I have seen. I have seen my share. You have not seen. What I have seen. It's September. Oh my gosh, look at that boat. (laughs) The legend begins. Darkness will march over the face of the earth. It will be the end, not just of our people, but all peoples. Sorry, but their time has come. The past is with us all. The past is dead. We either move forward or we die with it. This could be the beginning of a new era. It's jaw-droppingly beautiful. (laughs) This looks so epic, so gorgeous. Of course, the trailer does not reveal much about the story, 
Um, and, and nobody knows. Even Tolkien probably doesn't even know, if he's watching this from heaven, uh, what the story is going to be about. Because, if, as you know, it's based on the appendices, um, but it also uh, uses a lot of new story material that they came up with for this series. It is not going to contradict Tolkien, but it's not necessarily all based on what Tolkien wrote. But I'm perfectly fine with that because I believe that this is this is a show that is so high profile that they cannot afford to to make mistakes. Of course, there will be people that criticize this. There will always be people that criticize this. But you can be sure that they have hired the best Tolkien experts to make sure that this fits the narrative of Tolkien and the values that Tolkien wanted to uh, to transmit in his stories. From the looks of it, I did not expect it to look this good. It is the costumes, the the settings, you can tell that they filmed a lot in real landscapes. Uh, of course, this first season is entirely filmed in New Zealand. For the second and subsequent sequ- sequence, they will move to the UK uh, because of the well, all the COVID problems that they've had in New Zealand. But um, I think the fact that they filmed this in, in one of the most beautiful places on Earth uh, is, is showing off. And it's, it's got a scope that I have not seen, even in in um, a series like Game of Thrones, uh, which is epic, but a lot of the bigger scenes are uh, are still CGI, and y- you can tell. And and this feels more natural in a certain way. Also, of course, because the uh, the special effects have improved uh, since the Game of Thrones series, and uh, have gotten better, but. I believe that this this is this is going to be an epic series, and I think I hope that it's going to rekindle a lot of love for the works of Tolkien. That people will read the Silmarillion, um, some of the other books that he's written about the Second Age. There is so much material that most people are not familiar with because they, you know, stop reading after Lord of the Rings. They may be familiar with the, the Hobbit, and that's about it. The Silmarillion. Much fewer people dare to venture there because it's, you know, it's a it's a tough read. It's not a cohesive story. It's all sorts of different eras and periods. It's a little bit akin to the the Old Testament, where you've got so many different books and narratives and 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 styles, literary styles, um, that it's often a, a, quite daunting to to try to read the entirety of the Old Testament. But that's not a problem. I think for this series. They are going to create this this uh, um, this one storyline. I'm sure that it will span m- multiple years, maybe even decades. But I I think from what I've heard that they're going to compress the time a little bit uh, because if you would follow the you know the the, the regular timeline of of the Second Age. You'd have to do a hundred, hundred seasons. Uh, it's impossible, or you would have to kind of jump forward in time, um, and, and thereby also lose your entire cast. And people would not be able to um, to connect with the main characters, which, uh, you know, since this is a story first and foremost, and not history, is very important. So always keep that that in mind. When, when people start criticizing the fact that this is not exactly what Tolkien intended uh, as far as the history of Middle-earth, this, Tolkien was first and foremost uh, a linguist. 
and he wanted to create a world that would kind of uh, be the, the, the tapestry for, for the languages that he developed. Um, but his goal was not to make one coherent narrative, especially not when it comes to the First and Second Age. And um, so in, in a certain way, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings are anomalies in his work. Um, but for storytelling purposes, you need to make changes. And I have no problems with that if it results in a good story. And from the looks of it, that's what we're going to get. <laughs> Catholics rock! It's time for a short visit to the Peculiar Bunch. This is the place where you can ask everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Today I want to address um, a, a, an opinion that you find everywhere, but can be problematic when it comes to prayer. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. One of the things you always hear when there is a disaster or like a mass shooting, unfortunately, is, is people, they don't know what to say. So they just write what everybody's writing and it's thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Um, and <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. It's an expression of, of nearness, of the fact that you, you, you want to tell the other person or the world that... That it, that, that it matters what happens, that it matters to you, that you care. Um, but it, it has a, a, a risk, this expression, and that is that we, we look at thoughts and prayers almost as, a, as an easy solution to the problems. You know, you see, there's a disaster, people have died, uh, thoughts and prayers. Is that really going to solve something? And, and that's where I think you need some nuance. Um, there's nothing wrong with thoughts and prayers. The Bible is full of thoughts and prayers. Thoughts of men, thoughts of God himself, prayers of the people addressed to God, prayers that Jesus addresses to his Father, prayers that are, uh, that, that are, are formed through the, the workings of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of the people. So I cannot say that there's anything wrong with thoughts and prayers, but it depends on how you define these thoughts and prayers. If a thought is just, okay, I'm just going to think about it, and, and so I've addressed it, <laughs> I can take it off my to-do list, then of course that thought is not worth much. Real thinking requires also thinking about the question, what can I do? And th that is a difficult question, especially the bigger the evil, the bigger the suffering, the, the bigger uh, the size of the question mark. What can I do? And yet it is a question that we have to ask ourselves every single moment that we feel that this is not the world that God intended. This is not the way that we should treat each other. What can I do? And the response, the reply to that can be very humble. Maybe the answer is, well, not much. But there's always something you can do. If you think hard enough, there's always something you can do. If, if, 
if there is a natural disaster and and many people have have been killed and and are in hospitals, what can you do? Well, maybe you cannot alleviate their pain. Uh, you cannot travel there to go help in the hospitals, but maybe you can donate a bit of your money to the first aid uh, uh, organization, um, to the Red Cross or whatever help organization. Maybe you can do something to alleviate the suffering of people close to you. And, and that, you know, on the whole, changes the balance. It, it, it may not help the people right there, but their suffering may inspire you to do something for the people that are suffering in, 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 where, where you are able to reach them closer by. And if, if more and more people start to do that, then things will actually change in the world. Prayer, same thing. If a prayer is just, hey, God, I don't know if you've watched the news, but really there's been this disaster, there's been this shooting, I just wanted to let you know, uh, yeah, take care, <laughs> good luck with it, then that prayer is, of course, nonsensical. The prayer should always be, God, I am touched and I know that I'm touched because I am made in your image. My heart beats and, 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 and is touched when I see suffering and I feel that this is not what is supposed to be. And that is because you don't want that situation to be. So it's a moment where you realize that if something touches you, bring that up in prayer to God, you realize, I am made to the image of God. And so if he is touched, if he feels that pain, then I should have that same empathy. I am also able to feel that pain, maybe to cry about what happens. And then the next aspect of prayer is, of course, can we do something? Can you do something? That usually what we think is, we'll just ask God, fix it. Or we have our, our, our requests, you know, our, our, um, our, our gift, uh, our wish list. God, if you could... Please make sure it doesn't get so hot on Tuesday because, you know, I got to walk 50 kilometers. Can you please fix that? Thank you. <laughs> God, can you please uh, make sure that uh, the, the world puts an end to weapons? Uh, can you please bring peace to Ukraine? Can you convert the warmongers, the people that are using violence to, to oppress people, to rob them from their freedom, from their possessions, from their dignity? But a prayer is a relationship. You establish a relationship with God. And so if, if you are in a relationship with someone else, well, just you're married, and uh, tomorrow the, the, they are going to pick up the garbage and someone needs to bring it outside. If you would then look at your loved one and say, hey, here's an idea. Why don't you put the trash out? Then the other person is probably going to say the same to you. Hey, I've got an even better idea. Why don't you put the trash out? You know, in our normal, in our day-to-day -day relationships, we know exactly that you can't just tell someone else to fix things. No, it's, <laughs> it's we, what can we do? Uh, are you going to do it? Do I have to do it? Can we do something together?
That, I think, is how we should pray. Not to use God as a magic wand, like a solution, who's going to fix everything as long as we <laughs> make him aware of what's going on, as if God doesn't know. Um, no, prayer is a moment where you get together with God and you look at the situation in your life, or whatever is concerning you, and then you look at it together with God. And then you ask, of course, for the Holy Spirit to guide you, to give you wisdom, and maybe also courage and strength and, and talent and, and, and creativity to, to do whatever you should do. And then, of course, if you realize, I cannot fix everything, I, I can only do my part, then it's totally okay to bring the rest to God and to entrust him with it. Actually, that's what he wants you to do. But if it's just like, hey, I've got this problem, you solve it, you're God, I'm not God, then that is a little bit too easy. And if you get stuck in that level of prayer, um, it, it, you can become very disappointed where you think that prayer is just going to be your Amazon wish list and that you, you just send it to God and he's going to pay for all the goodies that you, you have on that list, then God is probably not going to go along with that. Because the thing that God wants to change is you. And he also sometimes allows you to feel powerless and, and, and maybe you try and you fail, but that is only an occasion for him to tell you, but you are not God. Let me be God. Let me take care of this. I'll do it my way, and maybe it's not exactly what you expected. And, and maybe you will not see immediate results because you are looking with a very human, uh, uh, human perspective to, to the way God act, um, acts. But trust me, trust me, I, I, I will take care of it. If you've done whatever you could do, I will take care of the rest. Do your best, God does the rest. Um, so I think this is something we always have to keep in mind whenever we pray, and also in our... In the, in the way we celebrate the liturgy, in the way we talk about God, um, it's so often uh, that that you hear people, I, sometimes I get just allergic, like I, I was reading this one book by a, a runner, and he was uh, like this high-performance marathon runner, and, and I was reading this book because, well, hey, I, I aspire to be a, a, a good runner myself. But then from the first chapter, he starts to talk about God gave him the energy and the, and, the, and the endurance to go run, and God did this for him, and God did that. And it was like, yeah, okay, well, God does not, not do that for me, you know? So it's almost as if he was, he was being prideful. It was like, look at me. I've got such a good connection with God that he fixes all my problems, and the fact that I've been able to run this three-hour marathon is because... God allowed me to run that three-hour marathon. If only you're, you were as holy as me, you would also run like this three-hour marathon. Uh, it, it, it just started to irritate me. It was like a bit like what Han Solo, <laughs> or what, what um, who is it? Is it? Yeah, it's Han who says to, to Finn, that's not how the force works. And, and this is not how prayer works. You have to 
train yourself. You have to put in some effort. And even then, you can still fail. God is not just going to magically fix all the problems in the world or is going to give you everything you desire. The only thing that God, I repeat it again, the only thing that God wants is to change you, to change your heart. And the only way he can do that is if he has the time to do it, if you give him access to your life. And that's what prayer is. Open the door to God. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Cute poodles, sweet old ladies, and hugs. <laughs> that is actually the title of the book that I recently read. I'm a little bit behind on my Goodreads uh, uh, list, and it's mainly because it's been so warm, and I, I just don't like sitting still when it's it's hot and uncomfortable so um yeah i'm a little bit behind on on my reading but nothing nothing serious so i read this book because it felt like oh it's an easy read it is uh written by pj miller who is a veterinarian and uh just the cover was funny it showed like an old lady uh and uh, like a drawing of an old lady with a with a awful poodle <laughs> oh, there's something about poodles that i've never really cared for but anyway i'm sure poodles are, are very sweet uh, dogs but um uh, and and i was hoping that it would just be like a book full of anecdotes i love those books i've, I've read a couple of uh, books written by uh, physicians and uh people that work at, at the hospital nurses and it's always interesting to hear about uh caretakers in in a different world than than my world i'm kind of like a maybe a spiritual caretaker, but I still feel, feel very connected to people that are trying to help others. And so I was hoping to get some funny stories about animals. Eh, not so much. It was a little bit, a, a bit boring. Uh, it, the, the book started with this long chapter about how he got to become a vet. And, and, and so it describes in fine detail his whole educational trajectory and career. And it's so not interesting for someone who is not in, who doesn't work in that field or hasn't been to those schools. It was like, well, why is this in here? This is not why I wanted to read the book. Give us stories about, about poodles and about old ladies. Well, there is one story about a poodle and an old lady. And it, 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 the book often suffers from uh, an interesting premise. You think, okay, this is going to be the story. Okay, this old lady, and she's very protective of her dog, and at the same time, she does everything wrong. Uh, and, 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 and no wonder the dog is sick, because she, she treats it as if it's a child, which, of course, is not the case. But then there's no payoff. The story just meanders and it goes on and on and on. And there are a couple of other stories where you think, oh my gosh, this is dramatic. Like there was this guide, guiding dog, like a, what is it, a therapy dog. And, and it was the dog of a child who was very ill, I think, was, I don't know, had some, I, I forgot what it was. <laughs> and uh, anyway, you think, oh gosh, this is going to be either super tragic or there's going to be this incredible uh, solution to the problem. The dog is going to be revived and it's, they, they live happily ever after. And, and, and it just ends after multiple chapters. It was like, uh, okay, so nothing really improved. It didn't go terribly wrong. Why did I read this whole story? Come on, what what was the point of this story? And that that was kind of how I felt about the whole book once I had finished it, reading it. It was like, okay, what was the point of this book? Why have I been reading this? 
Yeah, it was not very good. Anyway, I always say when I start a, a book, um, before I read the book, I make sure that I make the right choice. If, uh, like the, the book about the runner, uh, after one chapter, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I really cannot stand this attitude. So I'm not going to finish the book. I'm totally okay to put it aside. I don't do that with books where I always have to hope, well, maybe maybe in the final chapter, maybe the, something will happen. And I've read books where, where that was the case, where for most of the book is like, I don't know where this is going. What's And then the final chapter is like, <gasps> oh my goodness, that, wow, that is an ending. I love that. And so, and sometimes that's why I just keep reading. And sometimes the final chapter is like, Oh, so it's actually just as bad as the previous chapters. Oh, well, on to the next book. It's, it's just it's part of the risk. The scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. In my previous episode, I talked about the James Webb Telescope being ready for action. And of course, by now you've seen the spectacular photos that this device has taken. This telescope is unbelievable. The first photo that came out had that whole distortion where at first I was like, wow, that looks like a lens error. But it's not. It's because of it's looking so far away millions and millions of light years and and there there are so many gravitational forces in the that are kind of obfuscating our view that the the all the gravity the black holes the star systems they all that power is is literally bending the light and and that was what that first photo showed i was blown away absolutely amazing it is we've never seen this far in the universe and of course Looking very far also means looking back in time. So we've never seen images that close to the Big Bang, to the beginning of at least the expansion of, of the universe as we know it right now. And then there were some other more kind of crowd-pleasing photos of, of nebulas and, and objects that have been photographed before. But if you compare the photos that we had with the, 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 the quality and the resolution of the photos taken by the James Webb Telescope. There is, it's just incomparable. And this is just the first batch. This, this telescope is going to be around for years and years and years. And apparently it's, it's very easy to take photos of, you know, and, and quickly change, and that there's a lot of fuel in this thing. Um, so it, it, what, what would take sometimes weeks with the Hubble Telescope, they can do it in, in a few minutes with this telescope. So I think we're on the verge of, like, well, maybe the next best thing, uh, next to next to actually being on 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 the Starship Enterprise. But oh my gosh, strange new worlds, <laughs> unbelievable. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, "Hey, I see you plugged in a new device." and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. Last Sunday, I did my first and only 50-kilometer training run, and I took my phone with me. And since uh, I'm, I'm not 
yet that familiar with these long distance routes here in the area, I wanted to use the GPS on my phone. And so I, I, I turned on the Google Maps and I was tracking my my pace and, and the number of kilometers because, of course, the difference with the, the, the walk of the world is there there's just one trajectory and you just follow the crowd. But here I had to kind of make up my own itinerary. And so I, I use my phone. I've got a, I think, four-year-old phone now. And at the time, it was a phone with one of the biggest batteries out there. I think it's comparable to the, the latest iPhone 13, the big one, the Max, or whatever it's called. And so um, when I first had it, it could easily run for two or three days on one battery charge. I loved it. I, if, if I forgot to charge it overnight, not a problem. Could easily do another day on the same battery. Oh, well, things have changed. I've been using this phone very uh, intensely over the past years. I've used it uh, also for a lot of filming and like really heavy-duty work. And of course, I always take the phone with me to track my runs and my walks. So it's been using the GPS also uh, very um, intensely. And and all that has worn down the battery uh, tremendously. And so... Uh, at somewhere around the 40-kilometer uh, uh, point, the phone died. And I just had to hope that, you know, I could find my way back. It wasn't too hard because I was walking along the river and I knew that if I just followed the river, I would come across a bridge. And then if I'm crossing the bridge, I know how to get home. Um, but I was also unable to, uh, to, to measure my pace, to take photos. Um, and, and then I was like, okay. What am I going to do during that big walking event? I'd like to take some photos and maybe even record a, a vlog or something like that. Uh, every once in a while, I want to be able to to message people that are maybe waiting for me uh, along the road. I know that uh, some of my television viewers uh, want to greet me when I walk by. So I need to give people some updates. How am I going to do that if my battery dies before I get to the finish line? So I think the solution is to just not use GPS uh, because I, I've noticed that if, if you use the GPS tracking um, and, and also uh, it connects to my wristband. I've got a, like a, a very simple s- smartwatch. It's not even a watch. Well, it's, it is a watch, but it's a, you know, like 20 bucks Chinese thing. Um, and so it's connected via Bluetooth to that watch. And both the Bluetooth and the GPS are using a lot of energy, uh, a lot of battery power. So it, it got depleted very quickly. What I hope is uh, if I just put it on on uh, like maybe even like battery saving mode and I just turn it to regular mode whenever I need the phone, hopefully it'll last uh, for the rest of the day. Another hmm, issue is that if it gets very, very hot, that too may be problematic for the battery because the phones are not made, these batteries are not made for super high temperatures. In the cold... It, it uh, depletes very quickly, but also when it's uh, getting above 30 degrees Celsius. So I'm probably going to keep it in my backpack. Oh, Anyway, all that made me even more aware that it's, it's really time for me to, to change phones. It's been four or five years, and uh, for multiple reasons, I want to switch back to uh, an iPhone, 
mostly because of the just the integration of all the apps. And I use the phone nowadays so much for filming. Like, for instance, a very simple thing. When I film vlogs or I film myself walking, um, on the iPhone, you just switch with one click on the screen between the front camera and the back camera. With my phone, you just have to choose. There, there is one lens and it flips up, but you cannot change in the middle of a recording between the front camera and the back camera. Another problem, which I noticed uh, when I was trying to find a better way to record my TikToks, is uh, I often use a script for the TikToks. And I have a, an app that displays like a, a very sh small window on top of the video recording app and it scrolls the text. So it's right underneath the lens. So if I look at the text, I read the text, it's almost as if I look straight into the camera, which of course makes it, uh, helps with the personal connection to the viewer. Um, but the thing is, I I've noticed that, that almost all the apps that I download from the Android store, from the Google Play store, can only see the main camera. And, well, for, for TikToks, I like to use the, the, the wide-angle camera because it shows more of the background. Otherwise, I'm so, like, literally filling the entire uh, vertical screen. So the, the wide-angle usually shows a bit more of the environment, which kind of helps with the overall experience. Um, but all these apps cannot see that second camera. And, of course, it's a software problem. But since there are hundreds, if not thousands, of different phones, a lot of these app makers are, are not going to make sure that their app works with every single phone. They will probably just focus on the Samsung and maybe on the Pixel phones, and that's about it. But not on this obscure Zenfone 6 from Asus uh, that, is, that is already kind of not being updated anymore. I can't even run the, the latest Android system. So I know from having seen this uh, in, in, when I was in the US, Rob showed me how he filmed his stuff. I was incredibly impressed by the, by the video quality of the iPhone 13 because not only could, could he seamlessly zoom in, switch between the lenses, uh, everything was nicely calibrated. Sometimes, you know, with when I use... When I switch between the two cameras on my phone, you can see a, a very big difference in, in image quality, sharpness, and also color. It just has a different color profile. Not with iPhone. It's very, very well calibrated. And so uh, that plus the fact that you can just uh, uh, use turn on, the, what is it, this HDR function. And so it takes multiple images per frame, one where... It, it uh, makes sure that the shadow, shadows are, are very visible and, and then it takes a, a, a second picture for the same frame, uh, but then closing the iris so it, that you get a, a nice background, for instance, if the sky is very bright. And, and then it combines it with a lot of computational power into one HDR image and it looks fantastic. And it works almost in every situation. Even if you're standing with your back against the sun and normally you'd just be a silhouette, on the iPhone 13, it looks perfectly fine. Actually, it almost looks too good. And I know that a lot of the modern uh, software, editing software that I work with, is able to, to handle that HDR uh, content. And just the, the ease of use, that's, for me, 
and and the almost guaranteed result, the quality of the of the end result, for me a reason to uh, to hope that uh, <laughs> there will be a nice iPhone 14. And at first I was like, okay, I'm gonna wait until Apple switches to USB C. And now I'm thinking, yeah, no, I'm not gonna wait another year. I've waited long enough. I need this thing for my work. <laughs> and so, oh, I can't wait until what is it, September? When the new phone comes out, I will, I'll try to do one summer with this phone, one more summer, and then I'm going to call it a day. I'm not going to throw it away, by the way, because I love Android. And, and there are so many things that I can do with this phone that I will never be able to do with iPhone because of its kind of closed environment. Um, so, I'm, for instance, just the fact that I can take any book that I bought at the at Google Play Store and I can ask Google to read it to me. It will just use voice synthesis but it does it so well. Um, that for me alone is a reason to keep using that phone because I, I use that all the time. I don't have the money, nor do I want to spend money on, on buying all these audiobooks because they're very expensive. Um, but if I can have uh, my phone read to me, oh, that's something I use all the time. That's one of the reasons that I still, even though my entire house is full of the, you know, the Google personal assistants, I do have one Alexa because I love the way in which the Alexa reads my, uh, my Amazon library to me. And the voice synthesis of Alexa is the best I've ever heard. And I can only hope that Google will ever get to that point. But it's almost as if there's a real person reading to you. Sometimes you can tell when there are, especially if you're reading a Star Wars book and then you have these weird names and then <laughs> the, the voice uh, computer is struggling a little bit sometimes with the pronunciation. But, but I would say 90% of the time it does a terrific job reading it as if a real person is reading it to you. And I, I'm so excited where this technology is going. Uh, all right. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, I just wanted to give you a sneak preview for those of you that are following me on, on YouTube, you may have seen that I have reorganized a couple of my YouTube channels and I finally filled my YouTube Stories channel. So if you uh, look on YouTube for Father Roderick Stories, you will come to a page that is entirely dedicated to all my travels. Uh, so there are a lot of vlogs. Almost none of these vlogs are hosted on that particular channel, but I kind of took it from all the other channels and made it available in playlists so you can go back in time and see all my trips to Scotland, Ireland, Spain. There's so much there. Um, and that, of course, will be the new location for my <laughs> upcoming travel videos and the documentaries that I'm working on. So, uh, but before those documentaries are here, you can already take a look at what I filmed in the past. It's a lot of fun. I actually <laughs> enjoyed Rewatching some of that stuff, which I'd totally forgotten about myself. So, uh, again, look for Father Roderick stories. There will also be a link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful uh, week, I should say. Wonderful weekend, week. I don't know when you're listening to this. Um, if you are uh, a patron in the $5 or more tier, check out this first storytelling or story secrets podcast. And if you have any suggestions as to which stories you'd like me to uh, comment on, let me know also in the comments or on Patreon. On Patreon, if you are, uh, well, actually, if you're listening to that podcast, you are on Patreon. But of course, you can also uh, leave me some feedback on Discord. All right. Talk to you later. Have a wonderful day. And may the force be with you. Mm-hmm.